Hi, it's Tony Kornheiser. The podcast is coming up in just a moment, but the sales weasels have got some sponsorships up front. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Three different ice creams, okay? Uh, one is a kid's ice cream. It's like got a lot of junk in it, you know, and then one is a ginger ice cream and one is a cinnamon cappuccino ice cream, which I guess is the closest thing he's got to coffee. Well, it's, it's a DQ right away because, you know, it's not coffee. It's, it's not coffee. It's an amalgam. It doesn't really work. Anyway, Bonnie brings them over last night and I open them. And the kid's ice cream is blue. It's bright blue. I shut that immediately. <laughs> Michael can take it home to the kids if he wants, but it's bright blue. I'm not even bright blue. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. I still have that in the freezer. Do you want to bring it to your kids? It's still blue? It's still blue. Oh, it's no, thank you. brighter than ever. It's just awful. It's You couldn't contemplate eating a blue ice cream. I'll, I'll take it. You, know, you take it home? Yeah, I'll take Fantastic. it. See if it It'll gets the well TSA the for you. I'll give it to sure. my parents, see if it speeds things along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is the beginning of the show. We're going right to Tim Kirchner. Uh, we're, we're not going to do the normal beginning. We're going right to the man who has done more for avocados than anyone since Duke Snyder. Do you remember that, Tim, that Duke Snyder owned avocado ranches in Los Angeles? I'm right about that, aren't I? Avocado ranches. Right, that is that is correct. Duke Snyder was a great player and an avocado rancher. Well, yeah. Hey, do you have any thoughts of becoming an avocado rancher? <laughs> I mean, no, you grow your own look, avocados. I mean, we have to go over this again. I like them. I am not addicted to them. I shouldn't be a <laughs> spokesman for them. But I'm not kidding. Every trip I take, no matter where I go, I meet someone I don't know, and we talk about avocados every time. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. <laughs> Let's get to the baseball. The National League did not play yesterday. The American League played two days in a row. The National League will play next. Three of the – there's only one team. There's only one team where the home team won, and that was in the second game. That was the Twins beating Houston. So Houston won the first game at home, but Philly won on the road. Arizona won on the road. Texas has won two on the road. What do you make of this? Well, Tony, I've always said the home field advantage in baseball is not the same as it is in football and definitely not the same as it is in basketball. Like the Astros this year, Tony, had a losing record at home. They went 39 and 42 at home and won the division. The Orioles won 52 games on the road this year. So the home field advantage is helpful. You go play a game in Philadelphia with those people screaming. It's hard to win there. But baseball, because of its degree of difficulty, level of precision, all sorts of things can happen, home and road. So I'm never shocked when a road team wins. The Rangers have now won four road games in a row. They're the third team in history to win four consecutive postseason games on the road so that's the only way to look at it for me is it's just not the same thing as going into chicago arena right and trying to beat jordan bulls it's just a different atmosphere so let me get to i think it is the heart of of what's happened so far in the playoffs for me i mean some people might say kershaw and some people might say the phillies i'm going to talk about the orioles i'm trying to figure out how the orioles can be down Two nothing, and by the way, not really close in either game. Um, You want to say something like, "Well, the other team is more experienced in the playoffs, Texas," but they're not. They're not. They're not more experienced than you. Both have no experience with this current group of people. Um, The Orioles thing. I, I hate to use this word, but it was sad for me. It is sad to see how they have been taken out and you see it on the faces of the people in the stands and they're such good fans in Baltimore and have been for 70 years they're such good fans what do you make of that Tony I was just talking to my daughter and son-in-law just now I mean five minutes ago about how sad it was to walk out of that stadium and see all those people that waited this long for a playoff game including my uncle who's 90 and it's nine to two in the second inning, oh. and it's it was it was heartbreaking for me. And I'm not rooting for anyone. I I love the fan experience, but 
You spend all that money, you wait, you spend all that time, you can't wait for Sunday afternoon, and at 5 o'clock, it's 9 to 2, and the game's over. I mean, that was really heartbreaking for Oriole fans. But I'm going to disagree with you on a couple things here, Tony. Okay. You're right. The Rangers do not have playoff experience, but Corey Seager he does, does <clears throat> a lot of it. He walked five times yesterday. No team, no players ever walked five times in a postseason game. Marcus Simeon, their leadoff guy, postseason experience, yep, yep. and that's and Bruce Bochy has managed uh, yeah. eighty postseason games. Where Brandon Hyde and nothing against him has now managed two postseason games. That stuff matters when your best players have been here before. So this is not the reason that the Orioles lost those two games. They played poorly and they pitched poorly. It, but the experience factor for some of the Rangers actually matters. Let me get to two other points then, and you can comment on them when I'm done with this. One is the notion of rest. Does rest hurt a team more than help a team? That's one notion. And two is... When I saw Toronto and Tampa Bay both lose, I started to fear for the Orioles that maybe I had overrated the American League East massively. What are your thoughts on both those things? Okay, the rest versus rust, Tony, is a viable argument here, and it's a daily game. And when you take six days, five days off from a daily game, it's really hard to get it back. The Orioles had to play two squad games in order to stay sharp before they got to play again and i think we need to change that we need to have fewer days off tony there was no baseball played on thursday or friday of this week don't get it i don't october and this is where baseball needs to capture every viewer and listener and there were two days with no games and i don't understand how there were not how four games weren't played yesterday what we're afraid to go up against the seahawks I mean, that just isn't right. So, uh, but in this case, the Orioles told me that they needed the rest. Three of their best hitters, Santander, Mountcastle, Mullins, were really banged up down the stretch, and they needed the time off. So I'm not going to buy the Orioles are down two to nothing because they had five days off and they're rusty. They needed the rest. They got the rest. They've just played poorly. And one other thing, Tony, I'm telling you, the Rangers are the streakiest team in the major leagues. When they are good, when they're playing well, which they are right now, they can beat any team in baseball. That's how good they are. Their problem is when they're going bad, any team can beat them. They're one of the weirdest teams I've ever seen. Do you have any thoughts on the American League East? Um, I disagree that you have overrated it tremendously. Let's not forget that the Rays were a shadow of themselves with losing three quality starting pitchers to injury. They didn't have their shortstop or their second baseman. It's a miracle they won 99 games. Now, Toronto maybe just isn't as good a team as we think it is, um, and the, but the Orioles won 100 games. They deserved every bit of it. It's a very strong division. It's the best division in baseball, and if you overrated it, maybe just a hair. Okay. If I'm going to use the word sad, as I did with the Orioles, I'm going to apply it to Clayton Kershaw, too. I mean, my God, right? Five runs. He had the, I mean, he's, <coughs> excuse me. There are three lock pitchers in the Hall of Fame right now that are still out there. Kershaw, Scherzer, and Verlander. Verlander had a great outing. We don't know what's with Scherzer, if he's going to pitch or not. But Kershaw got just ripped. What do you think of that? Tony, he's the first pitcher in the history of the postseason to allow five hits and five runs in a postseason game before he got anybody out. Clayton Kershaw. He is the best of all the active pitchers. I love Max Scherzer. He's definitely better, had a better career than Max Scherzer. I love Justin Verlander. He's definitely had a better career than Justin Verlander. But his ERA in the postseason, and he got over that by pitching exceptionally well the last couple of years, right. is still four and a half a game. It's 4.50. That's his career ERA in the postseason, and that was embarrassing. And I don't think it's going to happen, Tony, but there are people out there who will tell you he's going to retire after the season. I'm not buying that, not at this point. But can you imagine if that is his final start as a major league pitcher? 
that he gets oh. that he gives up five runs and five hits before he gets anyone out oh. and doesn't even last the first inning. Let me get to Philadelphia. People who say that um, Kyle Schwarber batted under 200 totally miss the point. Lead-off batter. You have to pitch to him first. He had 47 home runs. Totally devastating. First three players in that order, of course, are all Washington Nationals. But Philly, I thought maybe they took their pitcher out too early, but they won that. They beat Atlanta. They, if they beat Atlanta again, what, and by the way, why are they playing in this round? Right? Why don't they just recede, Right. Right, they should, because these are the two best teams playing each other. This is by far the yeah. best uh, of the four division series. And maybe, just maybe, the Braves look at the Phillies and go, wow, those guys are really good, and they play us really well. Not only the Phillies win, they beat Spencer Strider, yeah. who was 7-0 and with a 2.01 ERA lifetime uh, against the Phillies, led the league in strikeouts, so they beat their best pitcher on the road, and now Philly's two best pitchers, Wheeler and Nola, are lined up for games two and three. So, and game three is going to be in Philadelphia, where I repeat, Tony, that is a yeah. madhouse, and that's a hard place to play. You think they'll win? You think they'll beat the Braves? I, at this point, I think that series shifted, and I think they're going to beat the Braves. I picked the Braves to win the World Series. But then they lost game one at home with Spencer Strider. Yeah. And you look at the way the Phillies carry themselves, it's really imp- impressive. And you're right about Schwarber, Tony. He <laughs> comes up, strikes out four times in the game, but it's a home run to start the game, and here come the Phillies. They're a very, very dangerous team. I would be terrified if I'm at home and the first three guys up are Schwarber, Turner, and Harper. Real, honestly, Right. Right. Those are dynamic offensive players. Turner, in a lot of ways, but especially with his, with his legs. Uh, Schwarber hits the ball out of the ballpark. And Harper, I hope people understand still, Tony, what we're watching here. This guy's a Hall of Fame player. And even though he hasn't won a World Series yet, he's going to win. He's won two MVPs, and he's, he's back healthy miraculously. And he is a devastating offensive player when he's right. And that anger that he still plays with, that passion he still plays with, that carries over to the rest of the team. Oh, everybody knows this. He has an unbelievable sense of the moment, right? In all those critical situations, that's when he bangs one out. Don't forget that ball he hit last year in the playoffs to beat the Padres. And I'll never forget this. He hit this homer, that place exploded, and he ran to first base expressionless. He looked at his dugout because he wanted to see his teammates celebrate, and he ran around the bases saying, this moment is what I was built for in my life. It should have happened with the Nationals in his 20s. It happened at age 30 with the Phillies, better late than never. This is exactly why he he plays baseball, is to, to relish the moment. Thanks, Tim. Talk soon. Thank you. Tim Kirkchin, boys and girls. He's going to go out and have an avocado shake now, and we will uh, have Michael Wilbon when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Maddie Steen. This is a song called The Times. This deals with the ebbs and flows of a long-distance relationship while our partner was studying in Europe. The song captures the depth of her feeling while safe in the security that love will survive, even an ocean in between. And again, sent in by Grant Freeman, 
who was the speech coach in Mount Vernon, Iowa, and Maddie Steen was one of his students. Michael, if people want to send in their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. All right, it plays in Michael Wilbon. There's 87,000 things to talk about. There really are. Honestly, there's 87,000 things. <laughs> you want to start with college football? Anything stand out for you? I wrote some things down, Alabama over an A&M. Georgia got right with Kentucky. Notre Dame loses. Miami makes the dumbest call in the history of, of coaching. <laughs> Colorado wins. Uh, USC needs multiple overtime. Oklahoma and Texas, what do you got? Anything? I saw none of it. I saw none of it. None of it? Saturday for me was a full day of football, but it was at Northwestern. It was a game that, that right. people locally might have been aware of because it was Howard. played Howard. Yeah, they played Howard. Yeah. No, I spent – it was homecoming. So I, I got to Evanston to tailgate at about 10 a.m. Um, and not only that, but I went to see the Chris Collins, the men's basketball team. I went to see some of the kids or a couple of kids who are Medill students that I wanted to talk to, a couple of players. Right. And talk to all, many of the players, if not all of them. And uh, including a couple of recruits, I probably won't mention that. I probably shouldn't, even though I might want to. And um, I left Evanston at like 5 p.m. <laughs> and I saw, I saw my game. That's all I saw. I knew going in, I was going to see nothing. Okay, it was fine. All right, we'll move. Howard, you know Howard. Howard has an enormous alumni base in Chicago. Howard, Howard University's third largest alumni base is Chicago. It's the DMV, New York, New Jersey, and then Chicago. So it was a big, big, big social day and a game that, you know, doesn't register on college football scale. No shit. It. Northwestern barely won. And uh, my day was consumed with that, with being social. And I saw okay. nothing, nothing until We're gonna move Caleb on. Williams in Arizona, which was unbelievable. We're going to move on. The way he won that game. How about baseball? Your thoughts about baseball? Um, what surprises it, it, you? It, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised. Well, Tony, you didn't do the show Friday, but Friday we we sort of previewed it, and, and the question was, is anybody vulnerable among the teams with the first round buys? And I said, yeah, the Braves and the Dodgers. I thought both Philly and Arizona could very well win those series, and I looked pretty good after one game each yeah. on that side. Yep, they were off <laughs> yesterday. Um, I didn't really care as much about Twins, Astros. If the Twins came back and won last night to even that series at one, and what's the other series? What's the fourth? Oh, Texas. Baltimore. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow, Texas, Baltimore. Um, tough weekend for Baltimore fans, fans of Baltimore sports. So it, it, I'm not jazzed yet about baseball. I will be in the next round because that will be the October that I care about, the October I grew up with mo- You know more. Um, when we get down to a reasonable number of teams, but it doesn't look like the NBA or NHL playoffs. But, but yeah, I, I, I thought the Dodgers could go out, and they lit Clayton Kershaw up. Oh, man. Lit him up. They so did. I did, watch, I, I did watch baseball because I was back at home from homecoming by then and getting ready to fly back to Washington. So I, I did see Saturday Night Baseball. Um, and then last night, I, yeah, I did watch a little bit of the O's. But Sunday, at this point for me, until we get to division championship, um, not division championship, what is it, league championship series, it's, it's about the NFL for me. And so I did consume all of that yesterday. So um, I, at this time, it's actually like around 8.30 in the morning. I don't know what the PTI show is going to be. I don't really have any idea until they tell me around 11 o'clock. These are the stories we would like to discuss. What do you think? I don't know that I have a headline from yesterday in the NFL, and I'm not suggesting this is the headline, but my God, what do you make of the Patriots? Uh, you know what? That, by the way, that could be. So um, the, this is, it would be crisis mode if the Patriots had won, you know, even two championships, but they've won like six. Yeah, they won a lot. So, I'm, I, you know, so I'm, I, but... You could make it a Bill Belichick. I mean, he no matter what he gets up there and does in a flat line way, in his own, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mumble, I'm gonna mumble, and I'm gonna, it doesn't matter. They've fallen and they can't get up. That's right. And he, when he says they're gonna start over, there are enough former Patriots on television, all of whom love Bill Belichick, that when they say 
and I don't know if it was Damian Woody or not, but when they say, yeah, it means he's going to start over fully, entirely. It's fine, but it doesn't mean it's going to work. It's, it's, it's done. It, it appears to be done. They're not – Bill Belichick is not going to wave a magic wand and they're going to start over and then go 7-1. and one. They're, they're not. No. They're, they're done. This, this, this thing is done. And, and, and so I'm fine if we start there and that is the story because nothing – like, so going into yesterday, I, I know from my setup with my pool, eh, you know, there weren't any matchups that were all that great. They just weren't. Um, well, Dallas-San Francisco might have been, yes, but San was. Francisco's yes, much better. It, that was. That, I mean, yeah. of, the, of, the, of the, you know, yes, that, there was one game yesterday that you go, yeah, I want to see that. And I watched all that game, consumed it all. But the bigger story, it, well, what's the bigger story? The, the, the 49ers taking out the Cowboys like they did, which they've done a few times, or Bill Belichick looking like he's been eclipsed. And to me, actually, I think that's it for me. Yeah, I mean, that was that was the thing that stood out. The other thing stood out for me, the complete disaster of Sean Payton and Russell Wilson yeah, to yeah, lose yeah. at home to the Jets, who give the game ball yeah. to Nathaniel Hackett. That was disaster, yeah. right? Disaster. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I really don't care about them, <clears throat> but you're right. Your assessment of it is spot on. I don't care about Sean Payton and Russell Wilson because um, even the best times with Sean Payton, I didn't care about him. I thought it was, you know, he just a Bill Parcells wannabe. And a good coach, a fine coach, he was. But, you know, and I thought he would turn this around. I thought he would. So I'm, I'm, I'm wrong, apparently, about that. As am I. As am but, I. But I, I don't. No, I don't care about Sean Payton relative to Bill Parcells. I mean, well, Bill Parcells. Well, relative to, 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 to Bill Belichick. Um, and I think Bill Belichick's a much bigger story. He can mumble his way to hell. It doesn't matter. The fact that he has been bludgeoned back-to-back weeks, and oh. it's over, and he can't do anything about it, apparently. So there All were... these expatriates <clears throat> on television are going to have to say more than, yeah, Bill's starting over. They're going to they're gonna get grilled this week, and they should. The, the other, the other <clears throat> small notes were about quarterbacks that I made, that C.J. Stroud and Desmond Ritter and Kenny Pickett, when they had to, looked pretty good. And Lamar Jackson looked terrible. Looked dreadful. What, what do we make of Baltimore? Like, I know you and I both think that Baltimore, we thought two weeks ago, that could be a Super could, Bowl team. The, yeah. Not now. I'm not, I'm not certain about Kansas City. Like, I feel certain about the 49ers. Yeah. But I don't know about the AFC, which was we've talked about how great the AFC is going to be, and it isn't. It isn't. No. The two best teams are in the NFC because I want to see Niners Eagles now. Yeah. I, I don't. I Agreed. don't. I, I don't look at any. I don't look at Kansas City and see the unbeatable team. I don't. I know they've won the games and they're, they're what are they four and one, but and then Baltimore. Wow. They 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 look like chumps, and and so do, it's and. and Buffalo doesn't look great, and no. I don't think Jacksonville's ready yet, even nope. though, you know, so the AFC, which has been completely overstated, the Chargers are, they're not there yet. I mean, I, so who's great in the AFC? Cincinnati, eh, no. Um, I know they won yesterday. Not great. They beat a bad team. No, they're not great. They, yeah, I don't, I don't. They're not don't great. Look, at the, at the AFC doesn't impress me. The 49ers and the Eagles impress me. So let me, I'll get you out of here on this. The Lions beat a bad team yesterday. Carolina yeah. stinks. Yeah. yeah. But the Lions are 4 and 1. Yeah, they are. The Lions beat whoever's in front of them and they're 4 and 1. Now you and I have watched the Lions for 50 years stink beyond comprehension. I mean they're yeah, awful. I've watched the Lions closely they are in my division. I watched them closely. What do you make of them? Well, we knew they were coming in. Everybody said that the Lions are going to be you know, better, better than they've been. Um they're going to matter in a way they haven't mattered. And all that's true so far. They haven't played anybody. In the one game they played, they lost. That's right. So I'm not ready to crown them either. Right. But they, their offense, people we knew coming in, this is not surprising to anyone. The Lions ought to be 4-1, quite frankly. And, you know, again, to quote the great Chris Rock, I'm not giving people credit for doing what they're supposed to do. Right. No. 
So the Lions are supposed to be four and one. Let, let's see if they're seven and one. Let's see where the Lions are after a few games. And, and by the way, they deserve what they do deserve is not credit, but just okay, yeah, just add a boy. That's it. That's when I get crazy. Um, and so yeah, I'll give you that with the Lions. So the, the quarterbacks all did sort of what they're supposed to do at this stage. I mean, Kenny Pickett. If he's not going to flatline, then he's yeah, I thought yeah, he's. he's I'm not crazy we, we, about him. We thought Baltimore though. We, with the, if you're going to do surprises after five weeks, which I think is fair, then people can say Denver, according to me, because I thought Denver would be better, and they're terrible. They're not. They're not just like okay, they're losing, but they're getting better. no. They're terrible. They beat the Bears in a game they were down twenty-eight-seven. So that you know. And if you're going to do surprises, then they're one of them, and Baltimore yeah. may be the other. That's stunning. I don't know that anybody is. A, I don't know that anybody's a stunning surprise on the good side. Do you? Is there somebody that you think is just really, really good? No, the only team that I would say what well, would would be Detroit. You know, but I, I, the no, jury's no, out. Detroit. Everybody said, "Oh, this is what." Right. What? No, everybody said Detroit was going to do exactly this. So and so, no. and they should because the Packers and Bears and Vikings are not any good. No, but the but you know what? This is their year. But the Eagles and the 49ers are really good. Eagles and the 49ers are. The 49ers, let me just say this. You know, I'm not going to go Stephen A on people. On, that's not what I do. And I don't sit around consumed with the Cowboys like he does and others and most others in America. I don't care what the Cowboys do normally. But, 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 but I, I, please get the Cowboys out of my face. I mean, wake me when the Cowboys are relevant. Yeah. They're not relevant. They're still not. There's still a team that in big games looks like a dog. I think that's fair to say. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom. All right, Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. What do we have next? Greg is going to talk to us next. Greg Garcia will talk to us next. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Maddie Steen, and this is sent to us by Grant Freeman, who writes, I'm the competition speech coach in Mount Vernon, Iowa. Over my 18 years of littledom, I haven't found a valid reason to contribute an email. I've had more than my fair share of Subaru stories and awkward run-ins with Louise Gluck poetry, but nothing fit the bill until now. (laughs) One of my former students, Maddie Steen, released her first EP on the occasion of her 23rd birthday. She joins a collection of other local Mount Vernon alumni, including the great Dan Byrne, the Buccaneers' own Tristan Wirfs, and TV Yellowstone's Jefferson White. Maddie's EP, The Times, available on Spotify, is a blend of Sweet folksy charm with emotionally brilliant lyrics. This is a song called I'll Meet You There, and it features another student, Maddie's younger sister, Ashlyn, who wrote and sang harmonies. It's about the feeling you get when you lose someone, but you're still able to recognize their presence in the world. It's really lovely. It is. Really lovely. Very, very nice. Appreciate that. He plays in Greg for his own segment, which we like. What are you doing here? <laughs> How did you come east? What well, was this about? First, I went to a comedy festival in Utica, New York. <laughs> it's the heart of comedy in upstate oh New York. Oh, my God. It Utica, is popping up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. A, uh, a guy that used to work for me as a writer's assistant left Hollywood, went back to his hometown of Utica, and bought a theater, which he runs as a nonprofit. So they're trying to revamp this theater. So then he got in touch with me. I don't know, about six months ago, he says, we're going to do a comedy festival, first annual comedy festival at this theater. and we'll Be careful s- with annual because it may not be. First an and last. Might not be. <laughs> and, 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 he, uh, and he said, would you sponsor it? Because we're looking for money. And the one thing about me is I have an insatiable desire to be liked. So when people ask me for money, I immediately give it to them with no questions asked. So here I am, the, the uh, sponsor of this festival, and I went up there and... Um, one thing they kept saying is Utica, it starts with you, which I changed to also Utica, it starts with you and ends with, uh, <laughs> 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 it was, uh, it was fun. No, it was, I met a lot of great people, you know, it's a ambitious four day festival. Um, and, uh, I got people coming the- from as far away as Syracuse, I'll bet. <laughs> All the way from Rome and Camden. Yeah, and Batavia. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and it was it was fun. I did, at times, I was waiting to for Christopher Guest to yell cut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was quite an eclectic group. A lot of nice people. Comedy was hit and miss. It was all day long with different stuff, different acts. Um, and, yeah, it was a good time. I had fun. Um, 
my one of my roommates in college, Dave Carpenter, married a girl from Utica, New York. His father was the mayor, Pasquale Donato. Oh, yeah, Utica, New York. That's a long, long time ago. Yeah, and then I came down to so it was. I, then you I, played golf. Then I played golf because the whole thing was my fraternity brothers. They have a charity golf tournament every year uh, in memoriam of uh, a friend of ours who passed, named Rick Enzer, and we uh, we do that once a year. So I saw on the calendar I could go to Utica. I could see my sons. They came came in, and then my two sons went down to Brooklyn and hung out where one of them lives and then I came down for the charity tournament and my cousin dropped out at the last minute of my foursome so I went on Twitter and as people do and I said I need a golfer in the DC area who's gonna who's gonna play golf with me in this thing and overwhelmingly people were suggesting uh, Shad Shad from DC yeah your haiku laureate yeah and uh, so, uh, sure enough, we uh, we played with Shad. Did you we, frisk him before you let him on the course? <laughs> I had him followed for three days. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, see, he doesn't know that. But yeah, 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 I did. It was raining, and, and I was in full rain gear, and Shad showed up in a shirt that I think was made out of a sponge because he couldn't have got wetter. Um, we all played uh, pretty bad, but had uh, a lot of fun. We were minus eight, I think. Minus 17 was the winner, but, okay. uh, but had a great time. <clears throat> So, time. and as you know, uh, Mitch Levy, who was, when the radio station, it's over 30 years ago now, it was 1992, and apparently I have forgotten, I get everything wrong. Um, Mitch told me, Mitch Levy was the original producer, you were the original board op, Andy Poland was the original co-host. I guess Gary wasn't on the show when we started. No, I think, and that's funny. Gary may have taken your place when you left. I think that's what happened. I because my memory's not great either, and I've heard you, uh, I've heard you talk about it, and I'm like, I don't know if that's completely right. Which to you were you were saying the other day? Yeah, it's like when Belushi's doing the Germans uh, bomb Pearl Harbor. <laughs> right. Just he's on a roll. Let yeah, him let go. him go. What's the point? <laughs> So, uh, but but yes, I think what happened was it was it was you and me and Mitch. And uh, a couple other people that would do updates and stuff. And I was running the board. But then uh, there were a couple times where I was either hungover or had to go to L.A. Uh, for uh, to try to do the writing stuff and get that started where Gary would take my place. Because Gary worked at the station, yeah. but he would fill in for me. So two things that, that Mitch said I had wrong, I find amazing. Totally amazing. One is I thought we did a three-hour show. That would be long, yeah. And Mitch said we did a two-hour show. Two-hour, and then James Brown would come on afterward, and I would stay and do the board for James, the half of James's show, um, but I wouldn't talk. I got that wrong. Secondly, and sort of more amazing to me, Mitch said, or maybe Andy said, I took Thursdays off because I was writing a style column. And I said, how could they let me take Thursdays off? How could they let me do two hours and take Thursdays off? Do you have any recollection of that? I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember that, but it's completely possible. Um, but yeah, I don't remember that particular. I just remember getting there, and they told me that I was going to be on your show, <clears throat> and there were some people that were um, a little bit nervous around you uh, at the station, and they said, "Oh, okay, well, good, you know, good, oh yeah, it's good luck, but whatever." And then the first day. <laughs> You asked me a question. I was nervous as can be. I didn't, as we've said on the show, I didn't know what I was doing. Right, of course not. And I was completely nervous. And you asked me a question, and I nodded. And you, and you said, hey, moron, <laughs> it's, it's radio. radio. <laughs> what are you nodding for? There's a microphone in front of you. And I nervously found the button to turn it on, and I said a joke because I didn't know that much about sports. And so I said a joke. I don't even remember what it was. And you laughed. And then afterwards, it was one of the greatest moments of my life. Afterwards, you stuck your head into my side of the booth and said, you're funny, talk whenever you want. That's right. Yeah. Smart and funny. Yeah. It's, it's all that matters <laughs> yeah. is smart and funny. So the other part was that Mitch told me this story. Mitch Levy told me this story. And he went, he left pretty early. You left earlier. Yeah. But Mitch left. I thought Mitch stayed for about five years. But he said he left after about two years to go to Seattle, where he became a very big deal. Mitch in the morning made sure. a lot of money uh, in Seattle. But he told me that, that Andy said to him early on, Andy said, I've, I've heard Kornheiser on some talk shows. He's going to need a lot of help. <laughs> So I called Andy and I said, "Is you know?" And so Mitch told me this. He said, I never said that. <laughs> I never said that. I knew you'd be good right away. And I just thought, no, uh. it, it makes sense that he would have heard me and thought I would need a lot of help. But what what happens? What you know, and people who do this know, you're either good right away or it's it's over. 
Yeah. It's like it. they know day one, right? Yeah. They yeah. know day one. 100%. And yeah. you probably don't remember this either, but when I was leaving, after I'd gone to LA and, and, and done that little internship and then decided, you know what, I think I'm going to pack up stuff and, and I'm going to leave, I told you. And at first you said, well... You know, uh, you're part of the show here. We got you know a thing going. Why don't you talk to and you talk to management about offering me because I was a part time employee about offering me a full time thing. And you said, well, go talk to them. They're going to talk to you about a full time thing. So I went in there and they sat across from me, and they offered me. I think they offered me like eighteen thousand dollars a year, uh, which was less than I was making as a part time uh, employee <laughs> by doing different things. And I came back to you and I said, yeah, they offered me 18. And you were mad and you went back in there again. And then I think you came back to me and said, get out, just get out of here. <laughs> just get out of here. And you, and you said, and when you fail, you always have a place here. That's you right. And back. you never fail. Yeah, but I did well, Not yet. Wait, I haven't failed. <laughs> we're still Well, waiting. I'm running out of time. Well, here. all right. Um, is the writer's strike over? The writer's strike is over. The, the actor's strike is still going. So there's no active uh, things being shot or anything. But the writers now are starting back up and getting material ready so that when the actors settle, and the hope is that now that the writers have settled, that the studios are in a place where they will use some of the stuff as a, as a template for what they settle with us, and then they'll be you know, they'll get it done. So this is what I wondered about. You write, you direct, you cast, you do all of those things. Were you not allowed? I assume you have ideas and you're writing these down while there's a striker. Are you not allowed to do that? And the other thing I don't understand is how come the people who do talk shows, they're really good. Did they don't, they can't do that on their own? They can't get up there and do it on their own like we do a radio show? Well, they can, and Jay Leno did it in the last strike But I guess then everybody gets mad at you. Everybody gets mad at you, so what's the point? I mean, right. if, you're, if you're one of these late-night talk show hosts like Jimmy Kimmel and stuff, you're not going anywhere. Your job's not in jeopardy. You have a forced vacation. You don't need the money. Do you really want to be a pariah like you want to be you know your name dragged through the mud for no good reason no so they're not going to do it and then a couple people did flirt with going back like drew barrymore and bill maher and they got a lot of backlash and then they backed off of that and you know it's just not it's just not worth it you know at the end of the day i mean i know they want to some of them you know say they want to get their crews working which i understand but a lot of them have a lot of money and they could they could also keep paying their crew if they want to do you is, is part of this, it seemed to me, I don't know what writers make. I don't know what the standards are. I'm sure if they have hit shows, they do very well. I'm sure that's true. Is this about artificial intelligence? I mean, it's part of it. I mean, it was a lot of things. So, so basically what they came away with was they got protection for AI. You know, basically language that says that AI cannot generate scripts, cannot rewrite scripts without the, you know, it's at least, it's a start, you know. And I don't think AI right now is completely ready to do that stuff anyway. But when the next contract comes up in three years and it's way more advanced and yes. ready to go, they now have it in. I think a lot of this stuff was getting a foothold on some categories, you know. Maybe they didn't get everything they wanted, but they got some some language in there that they can build on for the next one. But the AI stuff seems like they got pretty good protection against that and then they have a a mandatory minimum amount of writers that can be on a show the numbers weren't staggering i don't think they're that much different than what they staff anyway but at least now there's language about that so they can increase that and that's also a protection against ai because if you're going to have ai write all the scripts well you have to have eight writers on the show if you got to pay them anyway you got to pay them anyway and then by having those writers on the show that's money they have to pay into the health fund that fuels everybody's health insurance so you know there's protections in in all that stuff as well and you think the actors will go back yeah i think the actors i I, you know everybody's saying that at this point now that the writers settled uh everybody wants to get everything going so they have an incentive to do it i don't know if there's going to be some sticking points with the actors that are really going to hold things up but they're talking, and hopefully that means that they're going to get going soon. Uh, there was, this was going to be, and is right now, a bonanza for live sports. You know, because there's no writers, there's no actors. I mean, yeah. and so which networks... Which gets all are, the ratings anyway. Yeah, networks are going to put that on, which is good for me. I mean, because I work for ESPN, and you want sports in the public consciousness all the time. So. Yeah, and now that they've, they've figured out how to take the two biggest things in the world, the NFL and Taylor Swift... And put them together, two completely separate audiences. I mean, what genius is that? So, this 
I was watching on Red Zone the Travis Kelsey injury. Like that was the play that was on. Right. Non-contact, ankle turns, he gets up limping and walks off the field. And I go, oh my God, she's gone. It's over. She's never going to go to another game. We've come to like seeing her. Yeah. People like her. People love her. I, and I yeah. have to say personally, like I don't, I'm not, I don't know I'm not music. familiar with her music. Right. I said that to a friend of mine who has a daughter and he sent me a playlist of, he made me another 50 year old man made me a Taylor Swift playlist. And I said, please don't do that. <laughs> um, no friendship bracelet. And, and I listened to it and I get it. I get, I get the appeal. I understand it's not, it's not in my playlist, but whatever. But I love her based on this football stuff alone. I love her. And I will, I will always be a fan for one reason. I saw footage of her that first game she was at. She was in the box and they keep cutting to her and she's celebrating whatever. I don't care about any of that. I saw some homemade footage somebody got after the game and she's cleaning up all the trash around her. Really? Oh, wow. That's good Fan people. for life. Yeah. That's all I want out of life. Pick up after yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's all I want. <laughs> and so I'm I'm a fan for life just based on that alone. It's good to know. She does a great cover of Good Lovin'. And really? The, no, I'm oh, kidding. Oh, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> All right, let's get out of oh, here. Oh, before what? we go, yeah. I, I have a gift for Greg and actually for, for Michael. Uh, I know you're a fan of the Washington football team. While you're in this area, I saw this at the Safeway. Wow. It's Crunch Time by Ter, uh, Terry McLaurin, This is right? amazing. This yes. is a box of cereal with Terry McLaurin on it. It's called Crunch Time. This is an actual product? It's an actual product. I'm going to, you know what? I have a shelf that has a number of things on it, including a box of Urkel O's. Oh. Urkel O's. Urkel O's. Urkel O's. You wrote that cereal. show. Yes. I and I have Urkel show. O's cereal, and I'm going to put Terry McLaurin's Crunch Time Flakes <laughs> right next to Urkel O's. This is amazing. Isn't that great? Yeah, I've got some Flutie Flakes, but they're Everybody the gets a gift who comes on this show. <laughs> it certainly is Crunch Time after that Bears game. Yeah. Good boy. All right, well, uh, what are we going to do? Mailback. E- email and jingle when we return. Yes. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. That's fabulous. That's the John B. Day the fifth. I think it's oh, the fifth grade chorus. John B. Day. I think it's pronounced die. John die. B. Die. D. E. Y. is pronounced die. Yes. John B. Die, fifth grade chorus in Virginia Beach. And I don't know who John B. Die is, but if it was the Johnny B. Good fifth grade chorus in Virginia Beach, <laughs> I would cooking. understand why they would be singing. Because it's Johnny B. Good. Yes. Come on now, Johnny B. Good. Johnny Be Good, on any list of the top 10 rock and roll tunes of all time, Johnny Be Good is on the list. Has to be. It's Chuck Berry's Has number one tune, right? A, t- a toe tapper. It's a just genuine toe tapper. Absolutely. Um, okay, you want to do the Bethesda bagel, Ed? We got sandwiches today. Yes. We're going to send Greg home with a bagel sandwich. Ooh, yes, very excited about Greg. that, the bagel sandwiches. Uh, Bethesda bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, my friend, and you will be thrilled. All right. That'll do it for us on, on today, but before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, some girls love to run around, love to handle everything they see, but my girl has more fun around, and you know she'd rather be with me. Those are the Turtles. The Turtles recorded on White Whale Records, and the Turtles, who I liked very much, you know what the Turtles' big gig was? You don't know. Oh, they played uh, Trisha Nixon's at the wedding. White House, yes. At the White House. That's right. Trisha Nixon got married. And they played that wedding at the White House, the Turtles. That's a pretty good game. They probably hated Nixon. I mean, that's <laughs> my still, guess. You get a chance to play the that's White House, you got to do that. Thanks to our guests today, Greg Garcia, Michael Wilbon, Tim Kirchin. Thanks to our sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. So we're going back into the Mount Rushmore thing. Mark Graff at Hill Air Force Base in Utah says, as is the case with Baltimore, St. Louis has a similar Mount Rushmore problem with baseball. Mm. Stan Musial, Albert Pujols, Bob Gibson, Rogers Hornsby. Ozzie Smith, Lou Brock, Yadier <laughs> Molina, Dizzy Dean. Mark McGuire, Red Shane, Dean Grover, Cleveland, and more. And we haven't even gotten to the St. Louis football Cardinals and Rams with Jim Hart, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, and Deacon Jones. But I suppose the point is moot. Because God saw fit to have created in St. Louis an arch, not a mountain. <laughs> uh, it's another one. Robert Lowe. 
From the O's Mount Rushmore, you have to leave off Ripken. Murray is a 3,500 guy. Palmer's one of the greatest pitchers ever. Brooks is the best fielding third baseman. And Frank is in the discussion of the go to baseball. How can it not be Cal? Well, because Cal is Mr. Oriole. Because <laughs> Cal's Cal. Cal. Yeah, and if you think O's baseball is hard, let's try Steelers football. Joe Green, Jack Lambert, Mel Blunt, and Franco, Bradshaw, Webster, Swan, Stallworth, Bettis, Ben, Troy, Woodson, Ward. I can go on. There's Hall of Famers here, Rob Lowe. Uh, Max in Cincinnati. Frank Robinson is a legend in my family. My maternal grandfather, the late Bill Ferguson, was a bat boy for the Cincinnati Reds in the late 50s into the early 60s. Those teams included Robinson, Jim O'Toole, Veda Pinson, Gus Bell, and Joe Nuxall. In 1961, as the Reds prepared for the Yankees in the World Series, Bill planned to cut class for the team picture to be featured in the series program, only to be stopped by the principal on his way out the door. He'd missed too many days of school and would not be allowed to head to Crossley Field that afternoon. After all, English is much more important, right? No. <laughs> no, as an English major, Not no. that time. Murray Moman says, Please thank Michael for the dinner suggestion. I often listen to the pod on my 45-minute walk home from the college where I teach, and his mention of Chicawe Pepe, is that how uh, it's pronounced? Catch a Pepe. Catch a Pepe, okay. Catch was perfect pepe. timing for tonight's dinner. Here's our favorite recipe. Hope to make it for you the next time you're in Winnipeg. Um, and, and this is, he, you should... Piss us on to Michael. Michael will enjoy this, actually. Uh, oh, pictures? Yes. Phil Destito in Rome, New York, upstate. Yes, upstate. On the September 28th show, you mentioned the possible Mount Rushmore for the Yankees. Ruth Locke, Gehrig Locke, DiMaggio, Mantle, Jeter. I'd like to throw one more name into the discussion. Now, yes, Joe D. did have nine World Series, 56-game hitting streak, and married Marilyn Monroe. Kind of hard to top that, but Yogi Berra had 10 World Series with the Yankees, so who stays and who goes? Has the Mount Rushmore of coffee ice cream been finalized? No. <laughs> and what side of what mountain is it going into? Just pronounce that again. Cacio or Pepe? Cacio Pepe. Cacio Pepe is basically Italian macaroni and cheese. The four ingredients. An adult version. Pasta, pasta water, black pepper, and Parmesan cheese. As you boil the water and pasta, get a pan. Put a couple of ladle scoops of the pasta water into the pan. Then the black pepper and the grated Parmesan cheese. Start mixing that together until it gets thick. Then work in your pasta and more cheese and black pepper is needed until all the pasta has cheese. Scary how something so simple can become so good. If Michael is as good a cook as you say, he should be able to whip this up for you no problem. I can make this for you. Can you, you make that? Is yeah. that how you do more it? Pe- more black pepper than you think. Okay. From Justin in Cleveland. Did you ever figure out who stole that ice cream? No. <laughs> no. I have my thoughts, but Bonnie in- says no. Investigators. I have it written down on a yellow legal pad. <laughs> Justin in Cleveland. Let me see if I understand your dilemma. You're getting shorter. Your waistline is retreating to Jack LaLanne territory. Sounds like a Benjamin Button situation, Mr. Tony. <laughs> At this rate, you'll have a flourishing red afro by Hanukkah. Uh, Aaron in Roma. I'm in Rome for the Ryder Cup. Turns out they put golf in European capitals. You can convince your wife to go with you. Look for me. I'll be the one inebriated American. I want to show my support for the show, but I'm worried yelling the cheeserie this close to France will make me sound like I'm with Team Europe. I was mm. thinking of shouting cheese store, but my friend and fellow listener Craig advised me that Adding a simply a simple curse after La Cheeserie would let people know I'm definitely American. Please advise. Now, were you wearing the bald eagle outfit? <laughs> was he? Was he the guy in the bald eagle? <laughs> oh, that was him. Mike Todd, not that Mike Todd, Columbus, Ohio. Forget Reginald's BJ and the Bear revival. I believe you may have stumbled onto an even better idea for a TV series: Three Men and a Monkey. The hilarity ensues as a political insider, gambling savant, mumbling Cajun, and their pet monkey experience a series of adventures. The tomfoolery shenanigans and hijinks of the comedy quartet is gold, Jerry. What do you think? I'm, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I've been looking to work with a monkey ever since I saw Every Which Way But Loose with Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Clyde, right yes. turn, Clyde. <laughs> From Ray Lynn in New York City, Jerry Jeff Walker, along with Paul Rubens, is a native of Oneonta, New York. I always claimed him in Binghamton. Maybe I'm wrong. I was always told Binghamton. I heard a great story about Jerry Jeff Walker in a book that I read by this other writer, Todd Snyder. He said he was doing um, cocaine with him, and Jerry Jeff Walker took a line of cocaine and said, cocaine will turn you into a new man, and he's going to want some too. (laughs) (laughs) Nick Mielke, Montgomery, Alabama, Chuck and Roxy, 161. You read an email from Barry Grace in Montgomery, Alabama who spoke of his stellar experience at the Montgomery edition of Summer of Littles. Most notable in his list of highlights was the fact that he was the only person to show up. As the host of the event, I feel perhaps I owe Mr. Grace a slight apology. As it turns out, I came down with COVID for the very first time, only two days before, wasn't able to make it. I emailed the Summer of Littles overlords about the development, and they assured me they would reach out to anyone RSVP. If it sounds like I'm passing the buck, you're right. Tell Barry we can schedule a makeup date anytime he wants it, and I'll make sure Brian Miller, Scott Phillips, Josh Moon, and Steve Spivey 
all Montgomery area littles are there to join us as well. And you can tell Jeff Quelio to eat it. I'm sure Barry and I would both appreciate that very much. This is from Ryan in Cincinnati. Chuck and Roxy, episode 592. That's made up. They have not had 599. <laughs> in the discussion of age and relative decline of simian betting prowess with Chuck Todd, you stated every one human year is the equivalent of 28 chimp years. Well, I knew you were loud wrong. I didn't know how long chimpanzees might live. So in the spirit of Cindy Boren, I took to the Google machine to investigate just how many more NFL seasons we can expect Reginald's prognostications. Turns out while chimps in the wild can expect to live 15 to 30 years, chimps in ca- captivity can make 30 to 40 years. Will the oldest living chimp, little mama, making it to her early 80s? Wow. However, in that same episode, while making his Miami pick, the photo shown to Nigel shows him eating breakfast with Hyman Roth and Mercury Mars. Since Hyman met his demise in the Miami airport in 1960, we can conclude that Reginald must be at least 63 years old. Assuming this beachside breakfast took place with an infant Reginald in 1960, (laughs) the bigger question of how Reginald knew that a 13-year-old Mercury Mars would eventually become a Pro Bowl running back for the Dolphins remains. You would expect a monkey with such prophetic powers to be better than two and seven. He's not two and seven. No, he's he? four and eleven. Yeah, four and eleven. Not very good. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Mark Schaefer sends us a David Aldridge moment. What is? Oh, he's got a, like a chart. Yeah, it's a flow chart to it's determine exactly chart. what an actual David Aldridge moment is. Captain O'Neill in St. John's, Newfoundland. Color coded. I just watched a League <laughs> of Their Own for the first time in years, and I noticed that the main characters, played by Gina Davis and Laurie Petty, are supposed to be from the Willamette Valley in Oregon. Before John Lovitz recruits them to leave and try out for the All-American Girls Baseball League, they're working on their family's dairy farm. I'm no buster only, so I couldn't tell what kind of cows they were milking in the movie, but perhaps they were working for Tillamook. <laughs> Frank Baker, Andreas or Andreas, Pennsylvania, you can't eat a chicken that's been named Watch Me. <laughs> and from Tim Cree in Fort Collins, Colorado, I know you're totally pumped to hear the news that the USFL and XFL are merging. What's your favorite team? The Boston Duncans? The Petaluma Leghorns? If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Okay, we wound up 5-11. and 11. Not very good. Not uh, the worst. But there was some worse than us. Not I the worst. I guess that's team. one positive way to look at it. Yeah. We weren't the worst team in the league. <laughs> Ten, I'll climb your highest 
Love. 